0: Hello and welcome to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. I'm your host, Roman Segal, and in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the pharma and biotech supply chain with Jacqueline Escotera, who's the Regional Vice President for Latin America at World Korea. When an episode is more than 50 minutes long, you probably know by now that we've had quite an interesting conversation it was my absolute pleasure to speak to Jacqueline who is such an accomplished well-rounded humble female business leader incredible insights about the Latin American market and doing business in Latin America things that I knew nothing about which which I think will be really fascinating for you guys listening today Jacqueline also talks about the kind of complexity involved in the supply chain and logistics of delivering vaccines over the last year. World Korea were very much at the forefront of delivery of vaccines, and she gives an insight into what that was like and and how their business has developed. Jacqueline spent her entire career in international business, working all over the world with different kind of uh, regions and she also gives us some great insights into kind of lessons uh, for you know for working with cultures and different cultures and people from all over the world she also offers some fantastic insight into some of the work that she does around uh, diversity equity and inclusion including working with the united nations she's also worked with the world health organization and you know is a real um, advocate for uh, business women and women in general in terms of personal and professional development and holds uh, a really key role uh, at America by a source uh, in, in that particular area as well. For background, you know, Jacqueline is responsible for the world career business in Latin America and is based in Sao Paulo in Brazil. She's got 30 years of international experience in healthcare, leading roles in marketing, sales, training, government, external affairs, and of course logistics in the pharma and med device space. She holds an MBA in strategic marketing and a bachelor's degree in international business. And as I mentioned, she's also uh, a chairperson for the Women's Impact Network for over 40,000 employees at Amerisource Bergen. A really fascinating, uh, accomplished and delightful guest that it was great to speak to today. As always, thank you so much for listening to Molecule to Market. We really appreciate uh, you sharing, liking, and you know, just, just doing what you do to get the podcast into more ears. We're getting great response from people, and it would really help us, as always, if you can spend 30 seconds of your day today just going on the app store and giving us a kind rating, or even better, maybe just share today's episode with a colleague or industry contact enjoyed today's show. We are supported by ZymeWire, which is the leader in actionable sales intelligence for life science business development professionals. In fact, thousands of life science BD professionals start their day with sales signals from ZymeWire. And our friends at ZymeWire are giving Molecule to Market listeners an exclusive deal. Just head to ZymeWire.com forward slash Molecule to Market to learn more hey Jacqueline welcome to the show
1: thank you so much Roman, for having me it's great to be here
0: oh uh, it's up, it's all my it's my pleasure so uh, Jacqueline just to start off with it would be great to give our listeners a little bit uh, of background about you know who you are uh, what you do at world career and also just a little bit of your history of, of how you ended up in the sector and, and ultimately to where you are today
1: no, absolutely. So um, my name is Jacqueline Escoteiro. I'm based in Brazil. I'm responsible for Latin America at World Courier. So World Career is a logistic company uh, focused very much on pharmaceutical storage and distribution, um, temperature control and logistics. So it's a great company. We belong to Amerisource Bergen, which is the eighth company, the eighth biggest company, according to Fortune 500. Um, Speaking a little bit about my background, I have been working for almost 30 years. Um, I have been working for the pharmaceutical industry in my previous life for 24 years, and it has been seven years that I have been here working uh, for a world career. I do have a very good um, international experience, so I had the opportunity to travel to Honestly, I don't know how many countries before. <laughs> um, and um, I have been responsible again for Latin America here at World Courier. But in my previous lives, I have been uh, also responsible for Latin America, Canada, Europe, Middle East and Africa. And all those different cultures, not just in terms of business, but also on the personal note, has been really outstanding.
0: i Yeah, one of the things I was really keen to ask you about, you mentioned kind of uh, business culture, was you have such an amazing kind of history of working in different parts of the world. I'm curious to know kind of your experience of working with different cultures and what, what similarities do you see across the board, you know, irrespective of where people are based in the world and how they do business? Are there any similarities that you see across all the types of uh, kind of all the regions that you you have done business in
1: yeah I answered this question in two different ways so one of the things that I would start is it all depends a lot uh, of the culture of the company that we have been working for so it a lot a lot of times really drives the business the way that we um, deal with people with clients and so and on a separate note I think the personal cultural aspect is really important as well. Um, what I would tell you is that one of the first things that comes to my mind when I think about working for different cultures is a word, call it respect. Um, we should never judge any uh, culture. We should not never judge why some people act in this way or like that. Because a lot of times we may face the same situation, people looking at us and say, oh, why these people, you know, like do business like this? Or why do they operate like that? So um, the experience um, that I have really taught me, like, be a good listener, right? Really listen to what the local team is telling you about the local team is telling about the culture. The local team is telling about. Um, different aspects of the company, of the organization, um, different aspects in general. The second thing is really more than listening, be an observer, like how can you best learn uh, from each other and how you can also improve your own skills. It can be, again, on the corporate environment or also on on the personal note. Um, one of the things that really made me very curious uh, throughout of my past years um, is really having the opportunity to visit different countries. And that really brought me so much um, to my own life. That really made me a better person, more open to new ideas and really collaborating even more uh, to the organizations that I have been um, working for,
0: mm-hmm. I think it's some really fundamental um, pieces of advice there, and I love what you said about respecting cultures and just not judging based on any stereotypes or anything like that. That might be kind of preconceived in your mind, which is uh, I'm sure it's <clears throat> kind of worked well for you over the years in the in the kind of career that you you've developed. and And I wanted to ask a little bit. You know, obviously you you went through your background relatively quickly, but from my research you know obviously you've worked for the likes of merck and pfizer and baxter you know you've 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 had incredible experience in your journey to to world korea where you are today how have you found the kind of cultural differences between all those types of organizations and you know conscious that the organization that you work for today obviously you know Amerisource bergen is as you said one of the biggest companies in the world so Just curious how your experience has been working. You know, know, for many of us, you know, Pfizer, Baxter, Merck—these are giant companies in their own right. But (laughs) where you are now is uh, is a completely different level to uh, to even those huge companies. So curious how how you navigate that and how similar and different those kind of companies are in in your experience?
1: Well, thank you, Roman, so much for this question. And uh, I am really passionate about studying. So I really believe when we can have access to the education, it will really change the world around us. Um, And when I say it, uh, I would like to highlight that it's not meaning only paid education because a lot of people a lot of times think that education should only be paid and limiting themselves to have access to that. Um, the good thing that I have seen a great number of universities and other education, and other organizations, I'm sorry, offering free courses in many different areas. So um, I think people can also have access to online papers, articles, documents um, that can certainly help like to broader the vision of issues that we are facing. Uh, newer technologies, innovation. And a lot of times when we think about innovation, it does not mean only technology, but how we can do things differently as well. Um, and it's more and more present in the agile world that we are living right now. Um, the other aspect that I would like to, to bring to the table is like the deal dynamic in the marketplace that the, the pandemic has, has uh, surfaced, if I may. Um, there are newer online courses that have become available. So it's interesting to see that relevant institutions that have never considered classes at a distance are more open to this model and consequently more people can have access to the education. Um, and I can give my own example that the, the master that I'm taking at right now Uh, They didn't have the opportunity to do this before online, and now they are doing that. So I even have like more people from different parts of Brazil uh, being part of that and not necessarily having to be in the city of Sao Paulo, for example. Um, And I also believe that if I can better educate myself, I can have a better perspective of the past, the present and the future, I think we can better uh, analyze different aspects of life, uh, better organize our own ideas and how I can even share my own thoughts with others, uh, with the teams I lead, with family, friends, other people around me. And I also believe that um, in addition, we can collaborate with others, helping them see different points of view and helping them think differently um, and how we can continue to inspire other people. And maybe one last point, Um, I have the privilege to access education um, throughout of my life and taking relevant trainings. And so, um, of course, considering a great effort uh, from me as well. But I am also a great believer that we should have the privilege to share information, knowledge and other things that we can best support other people to further develop themselves. Uh, One thing that is very important in my life is coaching and um, I feel honored when I have the opportunity and the ability to do that for others as well. So let's talk
0: about EDI and relative to the business that you work in. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: As I had mentioned, the company that I work for today is really, really committed um, to DNI. So we at the Marisource we are committed uh, to building a more diverse, equitable, inclusive, and engaged workforce in which everyone's very backgrounds and experiences uniquely and collectively impact the workplace, the marketplace, the communities in which we operate. Um, This also aligns with our purpose of creating a healthier future um, throughout expanding the access to quality healthcare globally and the reduction of health disparities.
0: And you, you lead me nicely on to world career and, you know, for our listeners that don't don't know the business or haven't come across it or might have some, you know, general awareness of what you do. Do you mind explaining kind of the majority of the work that you guys do in world career and also just to give us a sense of scale of, you know, employee numbers within, uh, you know, within the kind of Amerisource kind of Bergen global business?
1: Absolutely. So World is a company that is very much focused on pharmaceutical storage and distribution. We are present in more than 50 countries and having more than 150 offices around the world. Uh, So one of the key major focus that we have as a business is really temperature control logistics. Uh, So that's a very special segment of the business. Our major customers are, um, among so many others, but like the pharmaceutical industries, universities, um, CROs, um, and and everything that is related like to clinical uh, trial Mm -hmm. logistics, uh, cell and gene therapy. Uh, We do uh, direct-to-patient business, um, commercial supply chain. Um, It's a very interesting business very complex that really requires like this tent uh, the state-of-the-art service because we are really dealing with very sensitive medication or biological samples um, that really drives not only the business but really drives the, the the improving quality of life of patients out there and even patients that require some medications to be treated
0: and and Am I correct in assuming, say, you mentioned CROs and I'm guessing, you know, CDMOs and kind of all different parts of the supply chain must use your services? Because I, I assume most of them don't do the distribution and storage. They may do some storage themselves, but I'm guessing most of them outsource the logistics to a third party. And I'm guessing that in many cases, especially when it's to do with you know sensitive medications and cold storage. You know, they would turn to Will's career to help them kind of fulfill that part of, of the supply chain. Is is that correct?
1: Well, that's absolutely correct. And there is something else that I think my previous experience in the pharmaceutical industry really makes the difference to further understand the relevance of what we do today here. Um, I do recall my previous days in the pharmaceutical industry that we were uh, working to Um, help patients to get access to different medications, but also the development of new drugs, uh, new medications, new vaccines. I did work for the vaccines market for quite some time of my professional life. So um, a lot of times, all those um, clinical trials that are developed by the pharmaceutical industry they do require a great amount of investment. So we are talking about millions of dollars. In addition, there are some statistics that shows that um, around 10,000 molecules that are studied, only one end up being an official medication. Um, So that's something that also demands a lot from all of us um, in terms of thinking about the future um, innovation technology and so so when i look at Word career um we are basically the extension if i may of the the healthcare industry a lot of times um those companies they come to us as an extension if i may of their service you know um in terms of like continuing the the clinical trial that they have initially designed it having access to patients, distributing the medication. And that's something that is priceless um, because there is a, a, a sense of responsibility and accountability that we do have internally. Um, that is really high standards.
0: That's great. It's good to know kind of the, the intricacies of your business. And you mentioned obviously the complexity of um of World Careers business. I imagine when you're dealing with different types of items and medications and at different scales, it must be an incredibly complicated business all over the world. And and I, you know, we, we can't help but miss or, or not discuss obviously the vaccines during COVID and the requirement for you know cold storage and distribution amongst you know many of the the vaccines. Mm-hmm. Talk us through that experience and I, you know i could, i my guess is it's been a very busy two years yeah, <laughs> for your yeah, organisation <laughs> um like, like like it has been for many of, of the people that we you know that we've interviewed on molecule to market that work in the supply chain but you know i'm guessing a business like world korea has been very much at the forefront and uh, you know critical supply chain of actually moving vaccines uh, all over the world is is that a fair assumption and i would love you to just talk a bit about your experience in the last two years and and how the business has been able to to support uh the kind of vaccine effort Mm
1: -hmm. no absolutely and and that's a great question because um vaccine now is under the spot more than ever right um if i will look back like how many years i work with vaccines um these past two years uh have been a totally different experience so um, unfortunately, we have been going through a pandemic that when everything started, I don't think any one of us had thought that this pandemic would take so long, right? Um, in the very beginning, when you used to hear a few people saying, uh, they were like, okay, this may take like two months, six, three months, six months, but not like almost three years, right? As as we have been living. And I wanted to stress the relevance of vaccine in the market, in general, not related to only to COVID, but we will talk about COVID in a second. Um, but vaccines are developed to save lives. Vaccines are developable. Uh, vaccines are developed against preventable diseases. So this is really important. People really need to take this very seriously and really need to take the shots um, or oral vaccines, independent of the the disease. But we have to make sure that we protect ourselves, the ones around us, and the population in general. And uh, specifically talking about um, COVID, uh, World has played a very, very important uh, part um, in the whole distribution process, even contributing to the clinical trials phase before. And that's something that really gives us um, a great sense of proudness, um, we we are really proud to see everything that we had accomplished, how much we had collaborated um, to distribute the vaccines. Some locations that were very hard um, to achieve. There we were, you know, like working very closely with customers and other partners to make sure, you know, those vaccines would be delivered and could be then administered um, to a broader number of the population. And um, we also have to keep in mind that vaccine is also a very sensitive item, right? Because it's also temperature controlled. So it was not just a matter of moving vaccines around, but really making sure that we would not have any temperature excursion, that you we were really following like all the, the requirements and government regulations um, around the world. So in summary i would say that yes world Korea had played a very important part uh, d- during this pandemic and we continued to do that
0: that's mm-hmm. it's so interesting getting your perspective of of the, the complexity of dealing with not just the sensitive items but the uh, you know the temperature challenges the regulations the logistical challenges <laughs> it's uh, it's a uh, it's an incredible achievement that you guys have been able able to support and obviously you know you, you mentioned latin america where obviously you're based in sao paulo in brazil um latin america is a market i know very little about in terms of the pharmaceutical and biotech kind of market generally but more specifically kind of the supply chain so for me and i suspect many of our listeners can you just paint a picture of the Latin American market, in terms of um, you know the main kind of main markets or sub markets you know what is what is it like as a market, the complexities of it, and obviously you've you've lived and worked in the US and have a great understanding of the market here as well. So any any, any similarities or differences that you see with the North American market would be would be fascinating to to hear.
1: Absolutely. So um, Latin America has been developing even more in this past, I would say, 15, 20 years in terms of business, in terms of pharmaceuticals, in terms of logistics and so. Uh, It's a very interesting market because we have different characteristics uh, of the business and we do have different uh, aspects of each one of the countries. So um, a lot of times people may not have the, the vision of, Um, how big Brazil it is, for example. So Brazil really has like an extension of a continental space, right? So when we think about logistics, it's very challenging because um, we have to reach like the very top of the Northeast or the North itself, like rainforest, going down to the South of the country. So we do have to plan around it very perfectly not just in terms of strategy but also in terms of execution Uh, mexico is another country a big one geographically speaking that we also have you know our own characteristics there um we do have other countries that are as special as and um i don't want to forget anyone or not say that anyone is not as important as but When we think about Argentina, despite all the challenges that we have with a high, high, high inflation, um, it's a market that has been constantly growing, especially in the clinical trials market. Um, Colombia is another country that is a very special one. Peru has its own challenges, but has been a country that has been outstanding to work with. Um, Chile is another one that uh, geographically speaking when we look at the map is a very unique uh, size and length. Um, So we do have to plan around it very uh, nicely as well, but of course a lot of times the majority of the business or the distribution comes out of the, the capitals of each one of the countries. Um, but the other aspects we do have a great amount of business in Central America. So, of course, there are countries there that are much smaller, there are countries there that are part of the Gavi Alliance that um, have very limited purchase power. But all of them really contributes, you know, in general, not just to the business, but to the growth of a healthcare Um, One of the things that I would like to highlight is the importance of the World Health Organization and in the way that they have been dealing and managing COVID. I truly have a great amount of respect for them and all the directors there and also all the press releases and press conferences they had held um, throughout this pandemic. I did have the opportunity to work um, while I was working for MSD for the office of uh, the World Health Organization in Washington, which is the Pan American Health Organization office, which is a a subset of that. Um, And I really could have the opportunity to see how serious they are in terms of like setting priority, making things straight, really communicating properly um, about the the healthcare issues that we have, not just limited to the pandemic that we are living right now, but um, in many different aspects, uh, really supporting countries, specifically talking about Latin in uh, purchase of medications, purchase of vaccines in some countries. Um, so what I would say, in other words, that Latin again has developed very much. Um, throughout the years, and have really been increasing the 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 service and the state of the art requirements. Um, not just serving the population, but also how we deal with the healthcare um, in general. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. The podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space.
0: We are supported by ZymeWire, which is the leader in actionable sales intelligence for life science business development professionals. In fact, thousands of life science BD professionals start their day with sales signals from ZymeWire. And our friends at ZymeWire are giving Molecule to Market listeners an exclusive deal. Just head to zymewire.com forward slash molecule to market to learn more you know any of our listeners are trying to you know potentially grow their business in in Latin America in terms of you know maybe setting up a facility there or just trying to do more business in that part of the world what are are there any kind of tips or pieces of advice that you would have have for them obviously bearing in mind it's that's a very broad question depending on their specific needs but uh, you know I'd be curious to hear kind of you know Things that you've learned, you know, along the way and any advice that or even mistakes that you've seen companies make where, you know, they, they decide, you know, you know, for example, I've seen European companies think they can do business in the US and really struggle to do that for various reasons and often because they don't really have a presence here they say they have a presence and they don't, which is kind of doesn't tend to work very well. So I'm just interested to kind of get that take, but obviously specific to, to the Latin American market.
1: Absolutely. So, um so many things comes to my mind. <laughs> well, what I would first say is that a lot of companies, they say that they wanted to have a global footprint, but for many different reasons. They really focus on one location or another. So I think there are some opportunities missing there. Um, The other aspect, um, speaking about clinical trials, for example, that we deal very much here in World Career, um, many, many years ago, I'm talking about like 20, 30 years ago, a lot of the um, developed countries did not consider as much Sending um, clinical trials to run in underdeveloped countries or developing countries. And uh, that has changed, not just by the pressure of some global health organizations, but also um, because other countries have been really structuring them uh, even better, like as time passes by. So I think that um, as you You stated somehow in the very beginning, like the stereotype, you know, that some people would have in terms of like Latin America or some other regions. I think it has completely, completely changed it. The other thing that I think it's important to highlight is how many global companies are present in Latin America, not limited to the logistics market, not limited to the healthcare industry. But if you think about technology, technology. uh, cars and, and and so many other um industries um they do have presence with offices manufacturing and and so many other um, incentives if I may in Latin um to further develop the business so uh, it's a it's a very interesting market in terms of uh, purchase power in terms of different um. Um, levels of uh, consumers and um, different tastes, if I may, you know that that really brings like a great var- variety of that. Um, the other thing that I think it's it's important to mention culturally speaking is how open the Latin American countries are. Um, are really open to innovation and really trying to make things differently and and getting even more respect right so even if you think about like covid vaccine development or some of the newest drugs and treatments around the world we did have very important people from latin america scientists physicians and so being part of that so in summary that really makes us very proud
0: mm-hmm. no i think that's that's great as well and it certainly was a global effort and it was it's fascinating to hear some of your kind of insights on the local market and some of the challenges and and, and actually some of the misconceptions about this uh, the Latin American market and what people might think about the market and um, I mean I mean I suppose my own misconception probably is you know you know the Western media is you know you go into Netflix and you'll see a documentary about you know crime in Mexico or you know something like that specific to Brazil so how you how real to life and how challenging is, you know, in my you know in my very <laughs> simple mind, you're you're transporting high value goods around South America, and you know, <laughs> you know based on you know media I see in in the U.S. where I live, it's like wow, that's that's got to be dangerous. It could be unsafe. It could be lots of problems. There's a lot of gangs and you know, organized crime and all that type of stuff. How how true is that? Or how false like, is, my, is my misconception? Is it really a misconception? Or do you guys have to deal with quite a lot of uh, challenges specific to the South American market where these um, these things are real and, and can really get in the way of, of the movement of, of goods?
1: Yeah, so it, it's a very interesting question. I will tell you why. A lot of times the sense of crime or the sense of not being safe depends on a few factors. So, First one is the media, as we stated. I think the media really promotes a lot of things for bad and for good. Um, and that's why what they're paid for, right? So to create news. Um, but what I would tell you is that um, it's, it all depends also where you are and where you are located. So I did have the opportunity to live in New York City. And there are parts of New York City that you may tell me, Jacqueline, don't go to that direct <laughs> in the middle of the night, right? Um, the same happened in our countries. Um, so we do have the sense of where to go and not to go, as well as in any other place of the world. And so um, what I think that has also triggered the sense of unsafety. Or really media coverage, and so uh, not limited to Latin, is 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 how hard the past few years have been, and the pandemic had really potentialized all of this. What I mean by that is that we do have some countries with a great level of unemployment, for example. So, and and then came the pandemic, and then I don't know how many places have closed restaurants and and supermarkets and stores and so many things and so many people are, are, are out there, right? And they are hungry. They are, they are, They have fear. They have family. They have a thousand things. So I think throughout the pandemic, we have seen in different countries, not limited to Latin, um, a greater sense of unsafety. Um We do have all the refugees that also came, you know, from different countries flying to Europe or flying to to the US. Um, so I, I I think it's it's how we manage everything in our mind, right? So what I always tell people around me is like, we cannot freeze, we cannot stop living because of those things, because life is, is bigger than that, right? So I think we have to enjoy life in the best way we can, under our own conditions, but um, we have to continue working and studying and really developing ourselves and really focusing the the energy in a good sense. Um, Many, many years ago, there were some people that did ask questions um, about Latin America, about the rainforest, about so many other things. If we had, I will tell you an example that I heard myself, like if we had malls in Brazil, shopping malls, of course we do. Some are state of (laughs) the art, even compared to U.S. and Europe itself. Um, the same in Mexico, the same in Colombia. So um, it's it's a it's kind of a stereotype that a lot of people that a lot of times people create because that's what the media tell them. I will give you another example. Um, throughout this pandemic, I think there were some countries that were covered uh, more than others in terms of the disaster that we were all living and. Um, I will give you the 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 name of Ecuador, for example, that really had a very challenging situation to manage um, the patient, the contamination, the spread of the virus and so but the media was putting out there much worse, much much worse than it really was. So depending how you approach something and how you repeat something you, you Every one of us are influencers, right? And we can be influencers for good or for bad. And I think, that like s- s- checking the the source and and checking the facts is really what makes the difference, you know, in people's life in the end.
0: No, I, I love your uh, candidness and um, you know insight into some some kind of quite sensitive issues there. But I think you're absolutely right in in some of what you're saying there around even just the kind of sense of everything's always moving and everything's kind of growing and evolving and and when I did my research on you Jacqueline one thing that really struck me was uh you talk about I suppose evolving and moving forward you are you're someone that doesn't stand still from a learning and education perspective is my observation (laughs) so just curious to know where that comes from you know that motivation obviously you've had a incredibly successful career over three decades and you know to many you're almost kind of okay she you know Jacqueline's had a brilliant career but yet you don't seem to stop you know I'm just even just looking uh, uh, on your LinkedIn I believe you're doing a, a, an online course at Harvard University at the minute you did an MBA um obviously you've got a degree in international business and I'm sure there are lots of other things that you're also doing on so you know, I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan of ongoing learning and education, and and so I'm always really fascinated by people like yourself that have that motivation to do that. So so where does that come from, and you know why is that why is that important to you, but also for our listeners, you know why why should it be important to them as well?
1: Well, I believe we have to keep moving, and we have to continuously educate ourselves. Um, I do that for my own. Interest. I do that for my own career. I do that to be able to continue to inspire um, people as a leader. And I also believe that as more as we know, more we can contribute on the personal note and on the professional note. I would tell something interesting that happened like two days ago. I have two daughters and she asked me something and uh, one of them asked me something. And I, I said, no, according to this study, and I, I told her a story, she was like, Oh my God, mother, how can you do that? Like everything that you say, you really refer to something. It, it was like so natural <laughs> to me. Um, then I laughed and smiled that moment because I never thought about it, but it really gave me a very positive insight because um, I think as more um, as, as many opportunities that we have to learn more, I think um, life becomes also more interesting, right? So if I'm able to be here talking to you today, um, it also means a lot everything that I could learn in the past and share with you right now and with your listeners as well. Um, As you stated, I do have many courses in my curriculum available in LinkedIn. I'm now taking another master uh, because I wanted to. um, And I write articles that are available as well in my LinkedIn page. And that's something that really keeps me alive. Um, And the other thing is that as as much as we can learn, as I stated before, we can continue to inspire others. So um, I think it's so fascinating when people come to, to me or to other people that are very engaged in education and say, Oh, can we talk about it? Yes. Can we talk about something else? How, you know, I think it helps you to improve also your vision in life, not just in like looking at short term, but what else can you do in mid and longer term? Um, And again, collaborating in the personal note, collaborate with the company that we work for. um, And that's something that I truly have passion for. Um, And if I may share something that makes me very proud as well. I think everything really started when I was very young. Um, My mother, she's no longer with us, but she used to be an elementary teacher. And uh, she was so simple, so humble, and we had a total different life than I have today. But she was very much focused on education. So the city that I, I was born, call it Americana, which is um, like an hour and a half away from Sao Paulo, where I live today, um, there is a public state um, school, n- name it with like her own name, my mother's name.
0: Oh, beautiful. Yeah.
1: And... And for me, it really means a lot as well, uh, because again, I think what she told us as a family was like, everything that I can leave you is not money, it's education. So I think I took that for granted.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a beautiful story that, and that's a, it's a, You it must be very proud that you're uh, mum's name is associated with with the institution and um, and yeah and it, it's it's funny because you know obviously we, we've we not spoken before but you know do my research about you and obviously just speaking to you today you you strike me as being an incredibly rounded person both from an education perspective but business obviously travel family you, you have a great view and one thing I was really interested to, to, to read about was your work Um, you know, as being the chairperson of the Women's Impact Network at uh, Amerisource Bergen. um, I'd love for you to talk about what that is and and the impact that you're having on on some of your colleagues within the organisation, but also just generally about um, particularly, I suppose, female leaders in the pharmaceutical sector and curious to get your take on, you know, whether we're seeing Uh, the industry shift a little bit where we're seeing more, you know, female leaders rising to the, you know, to the top of these organizations always, it always amuses me because I hear people saying it's happening. And then I'll look at, you know, the top 100 people in pharmaceutical or whatever, and 80% are still men. And I'm like, I'm not sure this is moving as quick as I thought. And so I'd love, given you are, you know, such a well-respected female leader, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on kind of the role of female leaders within the industry, but also please tell us more about the kind of Women's Impact Network as well. Oh,
1: well, thank you so much for your question. So um, I am very much engaged with diversity, equity and inclusion. So um, I am responsible for uh, the Women's Impact Network for Amerisource Program. Uh, so in total, we are, as of today, 41,000 associates or employees, uh, so that's, this is a very big organization. I feel very um, responsible, accountable, passionate about what I do. Um, and the, the objective that we have um, for this group, called it Women's Impact Network at Amerisource Bergen, is really how to continue to drive the development of women on the personal note and on the professional note. So throughout this past couple of years, we have been developing materials, sharing articles, organizing interesting webinars for people uh, to see live or see the recording that are all available Um, and and really driving the message like you can do it, right? Um, It doesn't matter if you are a male or a female, um, you will have to have an objective in life and pursue that. So that's the first thing that I personally also have in mind. But um, when we think about women, we still have um, a lot of companies um, and leadership positions that are really not occupied by a, women, a, a woman and I truly feel sorry for that. Um, and, and the reason that I say this because we are equally important in the society, right? So we both play men and women a very important role uh, as a family, as a as a friend, and and in the professional life is the same. Uh, we also we also have the capabilities uh, to be contributing to the companies and making sure that we uh, we help the company grow and make the difference and really like uh, drive the business for uh, another level and so for a higher level. So that's that's something that I do have passion about. Um, I do have a very um, great executive committee that works with me as well um, in the Women's Impact Network that I'm so thankful to each one of those ladies. And we do have subgroups uh, that further develop the communications plan, the programming plan and strategies and so, and we do have a large number of members. Um, In the past few years, Raman, I have also been invited to work as a speaker. So I had the opportunity to speak about women in leadership uh, inside of World Career, inside of Amerisource Program, but as well in external events and fairs. There are some other companies not limited to the healthcare industry that invites me to talk about my own experience on this what we are doing on this regard what the other companies that are just starting to to work on this uh where they can start you know what are like the key strategic priorities what have caused an impact what really had um, made the difference things that did not make much the difference but what things that have called the attention so that's something that um, we, we it's a continuous education the other thing mm-hmm. that i like i'm sorry
0: going to say it's just uh, wonderful to hear you can you know not you can sense the passion in your voice but also just the uh, amazing work that you're doing to you know support Women in personal and professional development, but also just take a stand and, and help them out. And, you know, I couldn't agree more on the equality piece and <laughs> it should be exactly the same, irrespective of, of male or female. So, yes. And, and please continue.
1: Yeah. And, and the other um, thing that I'd like to uh, share with you, Roman, is other two roles that I also have internally also related to diversity, equity and inclusion. Um. This company is very much committed with diversity and equity and inclusion. So we do have um, a global council and uh, I am also the co-chair of this council, of this global diversity and inc- equity and inclusion council, which makes me very honored to be part of that because we are really meeting with um high level of the organization, like high level executives. And um, those executives, including myself, that I'm part of this group, are really looking forward of everything else that we can do. But we are really establishing longer term objectives on, on DNI. So uh, that's for me, is something that is priceless uh, to see that. A lot of people do not really um, still envision the relevance of those initiatives because we are really talking about corporate image so how we do position ourselves uh, in the market uh, but also employer branding right so uh, how other people look at us externally and even internally what we are doing and the sense of belonging is it's really really fundamental um there is one of the articles that I had written that is also available in my LinkedIn page that I do talk about belonging. Um, and, and there is um, a study that has been done that I felt that was very interesting when I heard about it. Um, a lot of times when people don't feel included, um, they don't feel belonging, the, they have a sense of pain internally that is similar to a physical pain. And that has been studied by a very relevant organization. Um, and for me it, it really meant a lot, right? We we all want to feel part of the family, far part of the, the 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 circle of friends and and of the community, but especially at work, right? We wanted to have like peace of mind of what we can do and what we can collaborate and how we can Best fit in everything. And my third role there, uh, related to uh, DNI is um, regarding the Diversity, Equity and Inclusion um, Council for the Amerisource Bergen Foundation, uh, which is another branch, another arm of the organization that is very committed as well uh, of making the difference. Um, my experience also had brought me interesting interactions, Raman, and one of them have been with the United Nations. Um, we have been doing work with them for the past few years. Um, just as a reminder for your listeners, um, the United Nations Foundation, not just the foundation, but the United Nations, they do have the 17 uh, developmental goals and the objective number five is um, gender equity. So we have been doing a lot of um, strategy and partnerships with the United Nations on this regard as well.
0: That's that's a great uh, link, and you know I certainly encourage everyone to to take a look at that. And it's it's incredible just to hear all of the work that you do beyond your busy day job <laughs> i don't know how you how you managed to cram it all in and um and obviously you mentioned your two daughters earlier on and i you know they've obviously got a great role model and i'm expecting your daughters to be running nations in the next few years <laughs> if they follow follow in the footsteps of their of their mum. so we're, we're all i mean we're, we're slightly actually over time so um i'm going to just finish with one final question which kind of brings us back to the industry generally and uh you know some of the changes that you've seen during the pandemic uh, you know specifically you know on the logistics side and within the supply chain so for, for many of our listeners you know they'll work either you know on the on the farm and biotech side you, in external kind of outsourcing or they'll be working on the uh you know the vendor side uh, supplying a solution like yourselves to to the industry you know if your kind of crystal ball if you like of what you think is going to happen in the next few years in terms of kind of key trends or uh you know almost like things like I suppose technology and you know you mentioned obviously even things like you know cell and gene therapy and you know, more specialized personalized medicines any 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 key areas that you think our listeners should be aware of and, and almost prepare for is they kind of look ahead for you know obviously start of 2022 but also you know for the next next few years.
1: If I would have to name one area, Roman, I would name innovation. Um, and the reason for that is because the the world will never be the same as it was last year, independent of the year, right? So we are always looking at different ways of doing business. One, um, I think from the younger generations today uh, until... Uh, like no matter which age we are referring to, everybody is expecting like faster responses, faster type of service, um, higher quality, uh, better price. Um, so I think the whole conjunction of factors really makes everybody thinks about innovation you know how we can continue to grow the business, be competitive in a good way of saying it, and, and and really make the difference in patients' life and, and customers' um, uh, satisfaction. The other thing that I would say is the investment that is required, right? So I really love to see partnerships between different companies or even segments uh, with the same end goal, right? Um, so when we think about that, we really sometimes think, oh, my God, I never thought about these two companies would would work together. Um, but that's the, the vision of, you know, like not short, short term, but really medium longer term. Um, and the other thing that I see is, uh, like, as I stated, somehow the, the demanding of customer patients, physicians. And so it's going to be higher than ever before. And. Innovation was also part of this COVID pandemic, right? Because we were always struggling to continue to do the business. So there was a sentence, there is a sentence that I always say, like when the whole world stopped it, we had to keep moving uh, because we had other people and patients that depended on us uh, to deliver the drugs and, 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 and the medications and everything else. Um, so I, I truly see that um, we have to continue to, to look at the future with an open mind um and and really focus to do continue to do to make the difference if I may
0: yeah no I mean that's a that's a beautiful note to end on I think and uh, Jacqueline honestly it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today I've made lots of notes because I've learned lots from our conversation and I really hope our listener has too so thank you for uh, making time in your <laughs> clearly busy schedule to uh, to be a guest on Molecule to Market.
1: Now, it has been my pleasure, Roman. I am so thankful to be here with you today. And uh, I hope your listeners enjoy this conversation as well. And I certainly wish everyone um, a great new feature.
0: Thank you. Hi again, thanks so much for tuning in to Molecule to Market. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find more shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. Get in touch with us on our website, MoleculeToMarketPod.com, and follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter, and we will see you again next week.
1: You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector, the podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital, and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile, and generate leads in life sciences.